0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording here around lunchtime on Wednesday, June 15th. We are eight days away from the NBA draft. Very exciting. Uh, As the NBA finals are winding down, we should be hearing some more intel and chatter around what should be happening on draft week. So that should be pretty fun. And I got a really cool guest here. but, But first, let me let you know how you can get in touch with the blog and with the podcast. So the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network is a podcast under SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues. You can find it on anywhere you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. And there you'll get every single episode of Grizzly Bear Blues live, Three uh, and D Podcasts, Ben Hogan Starting Five Podcast, and old episodes of the Long D Podcast and the Core Four Podcast. So make sure you subscribe, download, do whatever you need to do for those podcast networks. Uh, And also, Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. Once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And with me is the host of the Fast Break Breakfast podcast, the Grits and Grinds podcast. He is of Grind City Media, Nashville's biggest Grizzlies correspondent. It's Keith Parrish. Keith, how are you doing this uh, afternoon, sir?
1: I'm doing good, Parker. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. So, you know, he's been putting out some great content and, you know, over the next week, we're going to be hearing more trade chatter. And I know that's led people to be posting, you know, their own trade speculations. Uh, a lot of them will uh, center around Dylan Brooks and I will have one episode for that next week because Dylan Brooks, it's an entire podcast for him. Uh, but there's two, two players in particular I want to highlight here in this podcast, and that's uh, Stephen Adams and DeAnthony Melton. Um, I know the center market is going to be pretty rich out there with Rudy Gobert on the trade market, uh, DeAndre Ayton, surely gone in some sort of sign and trade. Miles Turner has also been reported to be on the trade market as well. Do any of those names entice you when it comes to upgrading off of Steven Adams because I know upgrading off Steven Adams is something I know Joe Mullinax and I've talked about, but also too, everyone's going to have that bad taste in their mouth from the playoffs when it's like, Hey, it's Carl Anthony Towns, a top five or top 25 player, top five center. He's going to be a matchup problem for a lot of people. Do you think the idea of upgrading off Steven Adams is um, a bit exaggerated? Or do you see like a logistic, a logical pathway to in doing so
1: well the idea of upgrading Stephen adams makes a lot of sense in a vacuum uh in a non-salary cap situation when you look at this grizzlies team that was really good last year and won 56 games and you're looking at the future and you're saying well how do we get better and then you start trying to upgrade the pieces that play a lot of minutes and you're you're going to stick with ja we're planning to stick with Jaron. We're going to stick with Desmond Bain. And so then you end up with this, these spots like, all right, can we get someone better than Dylan? Can we get someone better than Steven Adams? And it's really, really hard because Steven Adams was really good last year. And he's, I think, you know, I haven't done an exact ranking, but he was something like the 10th best center in the NBA last year, maybe somewhere around there, at least I think arguable. And so you're finding, all right, is there a better option? And then you highlight these big name guys like a Deandre Ayton And you say, okay, if the Grizzlies had DeAndre Ayton, would they be better? I think so. I think having the mid-range scoring from DeAndre Ayton, he's just a great shooter from 15 to 16 feet. He's a really good rebounder. He's a really good lob threat. Adds that vertical spacing that you don't get with Steven Adams. I think that would compensate for maybe losing a better overall defender, maybe losing a better passer, or definitely a better passer, than Steven Adams. Like, I think, yeah, that would make you better. But then you get to the real world implications of doing that. And you say, well, what would the cost be to get a DeAndre Ayton? And then as far as like what assets would you have to send to, to get him in a sign and trade? And then does it make sense to pay a DeAndre Ayton this amount of money knowing you're going to pay Ja a max next year? You're going to pay Bain a ton of money in two years. And that's where it becomes like, I don't think so. But at least maybe if you're an organization, you have a meeting about it and say, is this where we want to use our resources?
0: Yeah, and I, I think this, it, this is one area that's been kind of uh, – that kind of flies under the radar when discussing, you know, getting an upgrade at center. And it's, you know, all these guys that are on the market, DeAndre Ayton, Miles Turner. I think the only exception would be Rudy Gobert, who the Grizzlies, they're not going to take his contract. He's going to make close to $50 million when he's 30 years old. They're not, they're not going to take that. They're wanting larger roles and taking out or upgrading off Steven Adams for one of those guys. You're taking away touches from Jaron, from Ja, from Bane. Is that worth it? See, I think one thing that's so great about Steven Adams and his fit, and I wrote about this today on Grizzly Bear Blues, is he's an enabler for this team. You know, he generates extra possessions with his offensive rebounding. He frees up perimeter players with his screening, and he also is also opening up scoring opportunities with his high post playmaking. So do you really want to take away those elements for a guy that might be better, but he's also going to take away from your core of Ja, Bane, and Jaron?
1: Yeah, I don't know if Aiton is a guy where I have those same concerns. It's certainly somewhat of a concern. I do think he can just kind of slide in and fill in and play a similar role that he did with the Suns. And if he's a 17-point-per-game scorer, maybe that makes the Grizzlies more dynamic overall. But for me, it always just falls back to the cost. Like, even, even, um, and I get it. I keep saying cost, it's what does it take to get that guy, not what am I paying him. I don't care about the salary that much. Even, like, go bear. If I'm going to pay DeAndre Ayton 30 million, well, I shouldn't have a problem with paying Gobert 40 next year cuz Gobert I think is significantly better, better you know? So it's like this is the cost is the cost. I'm not that worried about it. It's just we have limited resources. How can we improve this Grizzlies team and and if you make a move like that, it feels almost final, like this is who our team is now. I mean, I guess theoretically you could trade a guy in the future. It just seems so unreasonable to get involved with Ayton. I am opening my mind up to think about like a Miles Turner. Miles Turner is one of those theoretical fits that I think we've highlighted for over a year. You know, Grizzlies people are always pointing to him as the shooting and the shot blocking. Pairing that in the front court with Jaron, it seems like an ideal fit with, I guess, some questions about like the rebounding and how would the rebounding go. He's one where on paper it makes sense to me, but I'm not convinced it would actually make the team better. It's one of those where... I understand your argument. If someone wants to argue with me why it makes them better. And I, and I think it would make the Grizzlies better, but it it feels like one of those where if they actually did it and then we saw it on paper and it's like, Oh, turns out this is worse. (laughs) And I'd be like, I kind of wish I hadn't done that.
0: It'd be one of those things. Like, you know, everybody has these ideas of players when they're not, when when they're not on your team, you're like, Oh, like this guy's like massive shot blocker. He can shoot threes. Uh, he's seven foot. Could you imagine putting him next to Jaron? But at the same time, you're going to lose your screening. Miles Turner's already a bad rebounder as well.
1: You and, make yeah. you make a you make a good point. Anytime I think as fans and analysts, we start looking at who do do we want to trade for? We it's the grass is always greener thing. You've watched eighty games of your player. You know all the flaws you know the things and then you might watch 20 games of another player and you're like, Oh, I really want that guy. He seems great. And then it's like, you turn out, no, this guy's worse. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know you wanted to talk about Melton at some point, yeah. but it's like, guys, have you looked at these other people or even with Dylan Brooks? Like everyone talking about trading Dylan Brooks. It's like, who are you talking about? Dylan is better than all these players that people keep trying to trade for. Right. And I, I know the Dylan thing is more complicated because he's going to be a free agent, but it's like, the grass is not always greener. You have to be able to recognize that w- when you start describing the perfect player, like I think it makes sense to get a player in Steven Adams position who can shoot. Right. And so like that. Okay. Now we got the wheels churning. We got to get more shooting on the court. That makes sense. But for a lot of these things, it's like the Grizzlies won 56 games. You look at the lineup data when these guys are playing together, they're elite. This is basically, this is where we are. Our the Grizzlies' next step, not to shut down everything you want to talk about, the Grizzlies' next step, I think, is can Bane and Jaron and Ja get better? If yeah. so, yeah. the The rest of it, we're like, I want to upgrade Steven Adams. It's like you can't have five All Stars. Right. <laughs> Teams don't normally do that.
0: Yeah, and you know, you bring up a good point, and that the ne- that next step is any further improvement from your big three, Ja, Bane and Jaron. And I think one thing that kind of and it kind of leads into one of my points, but The thing that's so fascinating is, you know, the Grizzlies had this season and Jaron Jackson was a top five defensive player of the year candidate, first team all defense. He shot 41.5% from the field and 31.9% from three. Yeah, that was well below his pre-entry numbers. Actually, those were his field goal percentage was lower than it was in those 11 games last season when he was just basically like recovering. So
1: he, he, he was Brick City. I mean, he liter literally was Brick City all season. And this is something that I go to with a lot of him, a lot of Grizzlies players where where we do, I think we're correct in pointing out, hey, we need better shooting. A lot of it where I'm circling, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Jared made 30% of his threes and the Grizzlies were awesome. Yeah. Uh Dylan made 30% of his threes. And when Dylan played, the Grizzlies, they were awesome. And so it's one of those things where I, I and maybe it's just I'm optimistic Homer, where I think, hey, what if What if they make 35% of their threes? Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, my goodness. I would honestly rather roll the dice with a lot of these guys and see, like, what if their shooting gets better as opposed to let's bring someone totally new. And I know we're not replacing Jared Jackson Jr., but it's like, it's going to be the improvement, the individual improvement in a lot of these cases where I think it can get the Grizzlies maybe over the the next hump.
0: Yeah. And honestly, one of the questions I had asked and, or, was more of like a rhetorical question I had asked because I'm not answering it myself, but are we sure that the Adams upgrade isn't acquiring another center, but it's just Jaron Jackson Jr. being ready to be a full-time five.
1: Yeah. And that that's, that is the great point. And if you are looking at fake trades to trade Steven Adams, I think it starts making a little bit more sense. If you don't limit yourself to getting back a center, if you're saying mm-hmm. we're going to trade Steven Adams, maybe use him as matching salary. And then we're going to bring in a player who can maybe play the four or can play the three. So then Jaren's our five. And that's when you start getting into these theoretical OG Ananobi trades. Uh, I think the really intriguing one is Gordon Hayward, a healthy Gordon Hayward at the three or four. And then if you can start doing these things where it's Ja and Bain and Dylan and Gordon Hayward with Jared at the five, or if it's Jared and Brandon Clark at the four or five, then you have a Gordon Hayward in the three. If you are using Steven Adams to bring in another wing, another guy who can play three, four, does that make you better? If someone who can. Is the difference between what you lose in Steven Adams in defense, rebounding, screening, and passing, can that be compensated enough with the, with the bigs you already have on the roster right. in, in Brandon Clark and Xavier Tillman? And then is the difference between whoever you pick up, if it's, I don't know, just say Harrison Barnes, if Harrison Barnes, because of his shooting, gives you better minutes than say Kyle Anderson was giving you or better minutes than like Dylan Brooks did at some points of the season, or even Zaire Williams, is that an avenue to get better? And that's when I started thinking, okay, now that's interesting. That's an interesting thought exercise of trying to figure out, can we play some better lineups? If we have a better wing, maybe a guy who helps us a little bit more in the half court, in the postseason. And is that a reason to move on from Steven Adams?
0: Yeah, I think the only Adams trade I really like right now is a Hayward one. And if you're concerned of like, okay, what if Jaron isn't ready for the five, but you still, you you don't want to pass up on some, even if you get Gordon Hayward for 55 to 60 regular season games as well, and then you get him for the postseason, that's a huge win. If you're concerned about, okay. yeah, no, I
1: Parker, I would even say ten games. Yeah, you twenty games. It. It's just yeah. postseason. It, it's literally this point. It's like you know what? Can we put him on the Kawhi Leonard? He's not going to play to the postseason. I don't know. Let's try it. Um, like yeah. that part is it's intriguing. It's an intriguing mental exercise where it's like, is is that having that extra wing player a versatile three slash four? You know, does that make sense for the Grizz?
0: Absolutely. And maybe if you're like, well. I'm kind of worried about making Jaron the full-time five. Then on either side, you can throw in the Anthony Melton on Memphis and you can on Charlotte's side go get Mason Plumley. And you just have Plumlee there. You just made
1: me a little physically ill. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, I know. Melton for is, Plumlee
1: is one of the grossest sentences I've ever heard in my well, life. Well, no. think about it. I'm they messing Plumlee around. No, I'm messing around. It. But, like, you can find bigs. You can find yeah. regular season bigs. You have, I mean, you have Tillman. Tillman in a pinch can play. He can get you through the regular season. You know, maybe Santiel Dama, although he played basically as, like, a three slash four last year. Um, maybe it's not a big. But you can, you can go get. There's just random bigs out there who are, like, totally serviceable, totally fine. Even – Ones who might even command more money, like if you moved on from Stephen Adams, like Isaiah Hartenstein, like you could mm-hmm. get him maybe for the MLE. Like that guy's really good, he's fantastic, yeah, he's and good. yeah. And like that, that, that could be an option for the Grizz,
0: yeah. Or I know, uh, Jake Fisher reported that the Knicks are trying to get off the Nurlands Noel contract. Why don't you right. give them Killian Tilly or Xavier Tillman, Yep, and take Nurlands Noel with a second round pick? Mm-hmm. Pro that that's a problem that can be solved. But, yeah, it's it's hard. It's one of those things that you bring up – you brought up earlier in the show. It's like you're upgrading off these guys, but you can't have, like, this many all-stars because you're talking about, like, stuff getting expensive quick. Yeah. Then, then it's, like, starting to be a very quick, like, okay, let's see if the pair's money is where his mouth is. You know, let's let's see if we're willing to pay uh, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and D'Anthony – Uh, DeAndre Ayton, all $30 million per year, plus bang coming up to about 20 to 25. So it's going to get interesting pretty quick. Um, I'm in the camp where I don't really want to trade Stephen Adams. Uh, He's he's a veteran. He's an enabler for this team. He allows everyone else to be the best versions of themselves. And as we've seen through closing situations, uh, through getting taken out of the rotation in the playoffs, He's cool with – I mean, not all athletes are cool with being phased out, but you get what I mean where he's okay with being on the bench in those closing moments if it means winning a game. And that's what is perfect because your best closing lineup is John Morant, Desmond Bain, insert another wing, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr.
1: Do you ever imagine what it would have been like this year in the playoffs if it was Jonas Valanciunas? getting benched not from Jonas's side of it just from the fan base side like i feel like people would have been losing their minds if taylor yeah. Jenkins is like you know what we're not gonna play Jonas found um i think we match up better like steven adams like he said he's the guy who is a prof- like he can accept that everything he's ever said publicly is like yeah it's my job to rebound it's my job to do this it's my job just to make the team better he seems very calm about that like Jonas was so popular with all the scoring and the massive scoring and rebounding numbers if and i think it would have been like the correct a similarly correct strategic decision against the Timberwolves. You're like, hey, listen, Jonas is getting cooked. We're going to bench him. I think it's funny. I think one of the reasons the trade happened is so beyond that- moving up from to get Zyra Williams was, how is this going to read if we decide, you know what, I'm not playing this guy in a playoff series? And, like, can you do that with a guy like Jonas?
0: Yeah, and because it was looking like that in the Utah series. It was looking like, okay, uh, Jonas is getting cooked out in the pick and roll. All they're doing is just having Rudy Gobert, high screen, Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell pull up three. And yeah, and if, yeah, I mean, we were, I was arguing with people on Twitter last year. and I loved Jonas Valentunas. I was in on him for the moment they acquired him. But there are some people that were like, yeah, Jonas is like a top 30 player. They need to build around John Jonas, not John Jaren. I'm like, what are we just, talking about just
1: here? look. This is something I like harped on as it was happening it, on grits and grinds during the season in the uh, 2021 season the Grizzlies never beat playoff teams when Jonas Valanciunas played. Like, they never. Right. Like, we got some wins when players were, like, resting on the opponent. We beat the Nets because the Nets never suited up. But it was, I, I believe the stat was against the other top 10 teams in the Western Conference, the Grizzlies had three wins when Jonas Valanciunas played. Like, they, they lost to the good teams every single time. And maybe that's a totally random blip, but it's something I'd circled where I'm like, Jonas has started whatever it was, 25 games against the, the other West playoff teams and we're 3-20 and Xavier Tillman started five and we're three and two. And it's like, you know, I, I was, again, I was pretty okay with moving on from Jonas. The thing, the metaphor everyone used, it was apt. It was training wheels. It was, he's training yeah. wheels. You know, he just like, he, you had to move on to get better. Um, that, uh, and they did that, but it's just a fun yeah. thought exercise. Me dreaming of what Twitter would be saying if Jonas got benched in the playoffs this year.
0: Twitter would have been a war zone. <laughs> it, it would have been absolutely ugly if if that was happening. But I, I want to move on to uh, D'Anthony Melton here. And, you know, Keith, I hope I'm not screamed at in this uh, conversation because I know how near and dear DeAnthony Melton is to your heart. Um, but, you know, I, I just kind of think with, you know, Tyus Jones' impending free agency, the fact that Melton's kind of been incredibly inconsistent in the past – three postseason-like situations dating back to the bubble and Melton not really being much of a pure combo guard. He's like a guard wing because he can't really facilitate the offense. And I think the writing might be on the wall that he's dealt. I I do not think it needs to be one of those things like Grayson Allen where it's like, okay, what's the best we can get for Grayson Allen? Oh, two second round picks and Sam Merrill? Cool, we'll we'll take that. I think there will be a little bit more calculated with giving up D'Anthony Melton. But what has his... Uh, postseason struggles kind of done for in kind of like the grist sense of his value do you think it kind of puts his status with the team in question more long term or is it or does his regular season success kind of outweigh that
1: I think the the postseason struggles and let's be clear what we're talking about the postseason struggles has been that his shooting percentages dip mm-hmm. where I think it's important when we talk about all players, but specifically guys who are not maybe pure offensive players to not say like postseason struggles does not mean he struggled on, on defense. He did not struggle rebounding. He did his normal stuff. And the tricky thing with Melton, and as the internet's leading Melton propagandist, I like to point out, even if you look at the last two postseasons where Melton struggled from the field and the Grizzlies, what they went, one and four against the Jazz, and they went six and six in the postseason this year. The plus minus numbers, the net rating stats for lineups with like Melton and Brooks, they're awesome. They're like all positive. And it's the same thing where you go to the regular season where, all right, Melton regular season, possibly the offense is way more dependable. And you have a guy who made over 40% of his threes two years ago, made what 37%, I think last year. And combined with, with the defense, you're like that's just an awesome player to have around. Um, and then you're like in the postseason, well, like everyone says like, well, what happened? I just like to point out, well, the lineup date is the same. It says they're dominant. Right. In the regular season, it says they're dominant in the postseason, the shooting numbers go down and you have this phenomenon where like, I think Melton makes loud mistakes where, when you don't finish on a drive or you turn the ball over, those are things that pop out. Dylan Brooks, I think, is similar to this as well. Where Dylan goes 5-for-18 from the field, these are loud errors. And, like, those stick in your brain, and you remember those. And I think people who watch the Grizzlies, seriously, you have this impression of, like, Dylan shoots, he's way too inefficient. He shoots terrible shots. But then you, like, tell yourself, you tell your brain, but we win when... He's on the court, and then you try to balance those things. You're like, All right, does that make sense? So, going to the Melton situation, I, I, the postseason struggles, which I'll admit the offensive struggles are there for me, it's lowered my like ceiling take of D'Anthony Melton. Like, hey, maybe he won't turn out to be Drew Holiday, which was like the dream. Like, what is a 2% chance he hits this this peak where he's like a, a combo guard? But a lot of that, when I look at his numbers still, His like per 36 numbers. It's still similar as far as assist to turnover and everything. It's like kind of like what Oladipo was. And a lot of the steel and block numbers are are similar to Oladipo. So like, I don't think he's going to become like an all-star. I think, all right, I've lowered a ceiling enough where I'm like, this is still a very, very competent, helpful player. So then when we start talking about trading him and if like, should the postseason struggles affect that for me, it's a resounding no, because all the stuff we talked about, this team's getting expensive. Mm -hmm. This team might move on from Tyus Jones. They might move on from Kyle Anderson. You have a guy under contract for the next two years at, it's a bargain. It's $8 million a year, essentially, for each of the next two seasons. And I would wager he might be the best player in the NBA who played under 24 minutes per game. Like, I literally looked this up. I was like, who are the best players in the NBA who played under 24 minutes? And it's all like six men. It might be Brandon Clark. Like, it might be his teammate, you know, Brandon Clark. Yeah. Like, he's a very valuable player. And I think it's weird when we talk about it. Maybe it's boredom. It's like roster boredom. Like, all right, let's trade this guy because we can improve. Uh, and and when you look at, like, a backup, which is the role we're talking about, we're at least in, theoretically I'm talking about I'm comfortable with Bain. I'm comfortable with Dylan Brooks. I think... Those are good wings in the future. If you trade Dylan, well, then you might need DeAnthony even more. But if, like, we have a starter in Bain and and Brooks, and then having Melton, a guy who, for his position, for a guard, what, he was second in steal percentage. Mm -hmm. He was top 15 steals per game. He was top 10 in deflections. He's 95th percentile in rebounding for his position, for block shots for position. And then the guy makes three-pointers. You're literally describing kind of the ideal guy. And so right. it's like, this is an ideal bench player. I, like, yes, you know what? If he had a, a two-to-one assist to turnover ratio and if he made 50% of his twos instead of 40% of his twos, he'd be an all-star. He'd be a literal all-star. So I, I, I kind of, and again, I know I'm, I'm the most biased person about this. <laughs> I'm not ejected whatsoever. But I'm like, when, when you talk about improving the flaws of, of Anthony Melton, you're describing an all-star now because he already defends at this like semi-elite level I thought it was funny that the six-man-of-the-year vote, like, he picked up four votes from media, which I think shows that people outside of the Grizzlies still think he's really, really good. Right. You have all these fan bases who are like, oh, yeah, I'd love to have Milton on the bench. Like, you're not finding bench players better than this guy. And so two years left on his deal, it would it would have to be a pretty, I don't know, substantial offer where, if I put on my fake GM hat, where I would consider trading him. Now, there could always be other factors. Maybe the team literally doesn't have the confidence in him. They're like, hey, we're in the title, we don't have the confidence, despite the fact that, whatever, he led the team in defensive rating in this year's postseason uh, when he was on the court. Like, maybe there's other reasons. For like, listen, all right, with two years left, this is going to be the peak of his value. He's not expiring. We can use him to move up to get the guy in the draft we want. You, like, if that's out there, I, I don't have the knowledge, you know, Using the knowledge that's available to me, which is watching the basketball games, yeah, I think it's kind of weird where it's like, I'm dissatisfied with his inconsistency. It's like, yeah, he's a bench player, guys. Like, he's yeah. he might start on a team that wins 40 games, and I think he could, honestly. But we're talking about a team now playing for a title. We're talking about a team that won 56 games last year. He's an elite bench. He's, been, he's an elite piece of the bench. What are you trading that for who's better? Like, I'm not like Terrence Ross, like Terrence Ross is bad guys. Like we have all these other guys who score more (laughs) just because the ball goes through the hoop. It's like, it's intoxicating just because you see Grayson Allen have a game with four made three pointers. Like look at the prolonged shooting statistics. They're not that far off Mm -hmm. where it's like even the percentages over a span. I don't know. I think it has something to do with the way our brains perceive things. And uh, I'm always like, I'm always kind of at a loss where it's like, what do you guys want from him? I mean, he's, Listen, I wish he was better, but he's still to find that value, that impact of the defense, the rebounding, the steals, the blocks, even like his turnover percentage went down this year and everyone's like, Oh, he's not a creator. It's like, well, he's not a creator, but he handled the ball more this year than he ever has any other season of his career. And his turnover percentage, the amount of times he turns the basketball over per possession went down. So it's like, I'm still like the escalator still going up in my book. It's not like to the moon. Like I was like two years ago where I'm like, the potential is off the charts. I'm still like, this guy's incredibly valuable. As far as a value play, I don't know how you get much better out of his position.
0: Yeah, I I totally get that. You know, I think a couple of things you hit the nail on the head on is, you know, roster boredom. (laughs) It's the offseason. And with D'Anthony Melton, he's not expensive. He's good, but probably the easiest player to theoretically upgrade over, like Steven Adams and Dylan Brooks. I, I added that damn in there because I did throw out a Terrence Ross idea, and then oh it no, good feedback. It didn't. Oh good no. Feedback. Yeah, so I was like, you know what? Maybe I that was
1: just put their stats yeah. side by side. Just say who's the better player. Don't even consider d- like defensive numbers. Just put the yeah. stats side by side. Terrence Ross being called the human torch is one of the great scams on society that's ever been pulled off.
0: Right, but you know I would trade up. If I I would use D'Anthony Melton to trade up, you know, um, mm-hmm. I I know the community mock draft is kind of whatever by a lot of fans, but the wizard, the person representing the Wizards, actually has a Wizards podcast. So I was like, okay, yeah, I talked to him, and he was like, yeah, I would I would do D'Anthony Melton the twenty second pick and the Warriors twenty twenty four pick for the tenth pick and Denny Advia. That's something I would because then trade up to tenth, you could probably get your replacement with Benedict Matherin, A.J. Griffin, or Johnny Davis. And then you also get your Kyle Anderson replacement with Denny Advia. So I'm like, okay, that works. Uh, I, I'm very intrigued by Atlanta. Uh, the Bogdan Bogdanovich knee surgery kind of scares me, gives me sure. a Parsons PTSD. Maybe that's something where you would say, hey, we're taking on this contract from y'all and giving y'all $10 million in salary cap relief. How about you throw in that Charlotte 2023 as well? If you're trading up to get your guy, I totally understand that. They've shown the willingness to do that. But for all the points you mentioned, the Grizzlies shouldn't be be looking to trade Melton just to trade him. You know, I would trade yeah. up. I would use them for Turner and an but yeah.
1: Even the trade-up scenarios, I, I think the Wizards one is, is kind of interesting, feels vaguely realistic if the Wizards aren't in love with the guy at 10 the Hawks when like if if Bogdan's if, if they're willing to trade you Bogdan Bogdanovich, I don't want him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like if they know his medicals, they like he's a good player. Like Bogdan is arguably better than he like he's one of those guys who I would accept your argument if you thought he was better than Dylan Brooks. Like he's a good g- guy with the ball in his hands. He's a good shooter. He's a good offensive creator. Like that's a solid player who's on like a fair contract. It's it's a little bit much. Like if they're willing to just get off his salary, I'm like, oh, well, that's. For me, that's that's buyer beware. But even when you talk about trading up in the draft, if if it is like Matherin or if you decide, hey, we want to get Jalen Duren to be a center or any of these guys. And I'm admittedly quite ignorant of the draft draft prospects, even if you're trading up to get your guy. Are the Grizzlies at the point where that makes sense? Because we're basically we're all in. Zach Kleiman told me we're all in like we're we're winning now. Mm -hmm. And is trading up and losing a guy who you know is a very important piece of your regular season and seems to be a versatile piece who can back up, play the one, two or three and can guard basically anybody is getting rid of one of those guys. One of those guys who, again, the entire league is getting wings who can defend and shoot. Like that's the entire, like, are you watching the Celtics? Are you watching the warriors? Maybe the Warriors don't count. They have Steph Curry. That's a little bit different, but like the entire league is getting these type of players. When you have one, you know, like are you willing to take a minor step back hoping whoever you take at 10 or if you trade it with the Cavs at 14 or whatever, is that number 14? Like what if they're not any good or what if they're not as good as Melton, who, by the way, is like two years older than these draft prospects or he's, you know, three years older than some of them, he's still pretty young. Yeah. And it's like, I would be hesitant to, to, to risk taking a step back to, to maybe get a little bit higher in the draft. But I, I don't know because again, I have some faith in this front office that they'll be able to k- do that calculus and figure out what exactly is worth it to, to them.
0: Yeah. It, it's like that family guy. meme. it's like you can have the boat or you can have the mystery box. Yeah. And that, that's basically what this is all like.
1: Thank, thank you. Let, let's do, yeah. let's do that. Let's say, Hey, what, what are you hoping to draft? Are you hoping to draft a guy? Uh, we are hoping to draft a guy who can handle the ball a little bit, who can guard one through three, who can knock down 38% of his three pointers on five attempts per game over a two year span, who gets mentioned as like one of the best defenders in the NBA. Uh, yeah. Well, how about the guy you have already under contract and then you also just keep your pick and then you get another mystery box. You can have Melton and the mystery box or just a slightly bigger mystery box.
0: Exactly. Yep. So Damn, now, now I'm like kind of cooling a little bit on the idea of trading D'Anthony Melton, but you know, the we'll, work here is done. We'll see. I mean, hey, <laughs> I, was, I was like this last year about Grayson Allen. So, and it turned out just fine. I know we were on the different spectrum. Hey, on that, but the, the, the Grayson Allen stuff, I'm still lost. Again, seeing
1: the ball go through the basket is intoxicating. Seeing three pointers go in in high volume, it's intoxicating. But like the Chris has got smoked. When he played last year and they got smoked in the postseason when they when they played them and like all the lineup data was like hey look at all the lineup data now I'll just take out grayson and put in any other player and they were so much and i know lineup data can be misleading but like I, I don't know i i try not to blame people who loved grayson allen but it was just like we have better options i'm so confused how the coaching staff didn't agree i mean again the coaching staff is smarter than me so maybe i'm just an idiot with the podcast but uh, but all last year it's like I'm so lost. While we're sticking with this guy, we have Bane on the bench, we have Melton, and then like this season, it's like just me pointing at the screen. I'm doing I'm doing maybe the Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a Time right. in Hollywood. I'm just like you see,
0: you yeah. see, that's what I was talking about. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I accept it. You know, <laughs> Grayson got to go to Milwaukee, got to go somewhere where he got to play a prominent role next to the title-contending team. And the Grizzlies got better. So,
1: and also, are we, are we allowed to talk about Grayson's like last five games on the Bucks? No, I, I <laughs> okay. recognize those were terrible. Five. I, I can't remember the stat, but it was like last year, the first two Grizzlies games where Bain and Melton started. And I think both of them had 20 points in each game, and both of them made like three or four three pointers in each game. And I was like, Grayson Allen and his entire time on the Grizzlies didn't have consecutive games with, I can't remember what it was. It was like 20 points. And like three made three pointers, and Bane and Melton did it in the first years. I'm sorry, I'm stomping under grave. It's not. Uh, it's it, very uncouth of me to to come hey, on boy. your show to make fun of your guy.
0: Look, I brought you on my show to talk about <laughs> trading D'Anthony Melton. So You knew I what you were like, doing. I feel like we're we're even here, but yeah. you know. So uh, I didn't get to do a question of the day for this, but I will ask you this one question. We'll keep it simple. Over under. Number of trades the Grizzlies make this offseason season involving current players. So it can't be like the forty seventh pick plus a future second mm, okay. the second round. It has to involve a player. Let's set the over under at one and a half. I think, I think
1: officially, I'm in the camp of let this roster kind of marinate a little bit more. I'm I'm in love. I mean, I, listen, I'm I'm enamored with the potential of, of Dylan Brooks and Jaron and Bain and, and jaw all playing together. We didn't even get that much of it last season. Right. I don't want to see any of those guys shipped around, moved around. I'm going to go under, I'm going to go under current guys. And that's even include, I'll even include sign-in trades in that uh, possible Tyus Jones, Kyle Anderson, sign-in trades. I, I'll go under one and a half trades this offseason involving current members of the roster.
0: All right. I want to go two. I want. I want to go too. So I'll go over. I think yeah. we'll see. I think we'll see one sign and trade, and I think we might see one smaller trade to kind of clean up the amount of tweener big men we have at the end of our bench with Tillman, Altama, and Tilly. I think it'll likely be either Tillman or Tilly gone. Something that involves either a similar prospect that's more of a shooting prospect, kind of similar to like a Sam Merrill equivalent. Um, So I want to have it at that. I'll say two. So over. Awesome. Well, Keith, do you have anything else to add before we conclude this show?
1: I do not Parker. Thanks for having me.
0: No problems. Just plug in your stuff. Let the people know where they can find you and all your stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, follow me on Twitter at fast break, break, um, Grizzlies fans, make sure you listen to grits and grinds a Memphis Grizzlies podcast go kind of deep and nerdy and obsessive on the Grizzlies. Uh, multiple episodes all year round, maybe a week. We'll see. Um, And then uh, for general NBA stuff, listen to fast break breakfast.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Y'all make sure y'all listen to all key stuff, fast break breakfast and grits and grinds Subscribe to his Patreon page. All fantastic stuff. Uh, Don't go anywhere though. We're going to be back with one quick final segment. So don't go anywhere. All right. And that was Keith Parrish from fast break breakfast, grits and grinds and grind city media. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at FastBreakBreak. But don't leave just yet. We got a little bit of something before we close the show. As you all know from Twitter, we are hosting a Grizzly Bear Blues live show benefiting the Allie's Allies St. Jude fundraiser team. And there's no better person for me to hype that up with than my fiance, Allie Allen.
2: Allie, how are you? (laughs) I'm good that I'm with you. Happy to be on your podcast. I know,
0: first time appearance.
2: I feel so honored.
0: Yeah. And you know, we're about to be married, so it probably won't be your last podcast oh, appearance. Oh, I hope true. not. Yeah. So obviously Allie here is the Allie and Allie's Allies. And so just uh well like for people that may not know, like what is like Allie's Allies, like what like what inspired like your team name and why you do this. She's like laughing her tail <laughs> off right now because we're doing this. but
2: <laughs> Because he's in a movie. Okay. So, Allie's Allies is my St. Jude Marathon team, but every single donation and every penny that we raise goes straight to St. Jude to help families not pay a single bill and also pay for kids' treatments and all that good stuff.
0: So you mentioned, you know, different treatments that these donations go towards. You know, what are some specific treatments that these donations could be going for? Because obviously with St. Jude and the experiences that you've uh, told me, there's so much that these donations go towards, um, even beyond just radiation and chemotherapy. There, There's just so many moving parts at St. Jude that make it, just an unbelievable place mm-hmm. that has an unbelievable mission. Just what are some of the specific things that these donations go towards?
2: Yeah, so like the different amounts that you can donate to St. Jude could specifically pay for what, what goes on within the hospital. So $50 would pay for a patient's physical therapy treatment. Um, I'd say like 250 would go to a chemo treatment. Two hundred and fifty would also go to radiation treatment, which is what I had sixty six rounds of.
0: Yeah, so just all these donations that everybody makes so just life saving stuff. I mean, obviously it's just really on un- just unfair that these kids are having to go through this, that these parents and families are having to go through, you know, their mm-hmm. their child going through cancer and just your donation just when you add all that up, it just it's a huge step. It's a huge step that can really be a life saving experience for sure.
2: Yeah, so what's different about St. Jude from all other children's research hospitals is your donation makes sure, guarantees that no parent has to pay for their child's treatment, that no parent has to pay for their food or housing just from all your donations. And I think that's a really important thing as families do struggle with that as their kids are going through cancer. But because of St. Jude and because of your donations, we don't have to go through all of that extra stuff while also fighting cancer.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, every every bit counts, everybody. So make sure um, y'all come out, show out, donate for this event. And, you know, Alex Oz, y'all haven't really done anything like this before. You'll have some live Grizzlies talk and we're also going to have a live band as well but at the actual event in what ways can people donate
2: so we're going to have some raffles and we're going to have some QR codes so that you guys can go ahead and donate one of the uh, one of the other things that your money can go to that I forgot to mention earlier is $25 $25 goes to the NoMo chemo party the iconic song that they sing to the patients after they finish their last round of chemo
0: yeah so like i said every little bit counts um so yeah we'll have a raffle at the event we'll have different items throughout the city uh 20 raffle tickets and you can buy as many as you want uh, you can put in as many as you want for different items so if you want to go all in and put like five or six on one item you're allowed to do that. If you want to sp- spread the wealth, try to win a little bit of uh, different items, you could do that too. Uh, but it's it's going to be really fun. I, I'm very much excited about talking about it's this. It's going to be
2: a good time.
0: Yeah. Are you ready to talk about the Grizzlies in front of everyone?
2: Yeah. That's another thing. Uh, for Allie's allies, you have to know – if you know me, you know how much I love the Grizzlies and – That also means that I'm Parker's dream girl.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's my dream guy. One of many reasons. But, yeah, you know, Allie, I'm very excited to, you know, have you up there, have you share your story and um, talk about things that you love with the Grizzlies and what they mean to you. And it's going to be a fun time.
2: I mean, I couldn't ask for a better place to be to talk about St. Jude and Memphis Grizzlies, two of my absolute favorite things.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, make sure y'all don't miss out. Monday, June 27th at The Bluff, starting at 6 p.m. We will be having live music from Traveler, the band. A really fun cover band uh, in the city. Some great friends out there. Uh, We also have Allie speaking with us as well. We'll have uh, Brandon Abraham and Connor Dunning speaking with me about the Grizzlies. And then we'll also have a fan panel where you fans could ask Different media members around the city, different questions about the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll have me on there, Sean Coleman, DeMichael Cole, Anthony Sane. It's going to be a great time, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this turns out, and maybe this becomes an annual thing. That'd be pretty cool, right?
2: I would love that.
0: I I, I would love that too. So yeah, um, and just as we wrap up the show, you know, make sure you follow our first guest, Keith Parrish, at Fast Break Break. You could also follow Ali on Twitter at Ali Allen, and you can follow me on Twitter at Pac underscore Flocka. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast network wherever you get your podcasts, so you can get every single episode on the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network. And follow the blog on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. Catch us on the web at grizzlybearblues.com Because yeah, it's draft season, so we're it's just everything's about to heat up. So stick with us. It's uh, it's GBB Next Gen. You hear me?